0: Wednesday, January 12th, 2021. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, we plan to talk a lot of Flyers hockey with the season opening up tomorrow night, but the Eagles have stolen the headlines with the firing of Doug Peterson yesterday. We will talk about all that. As well as the Sixers being caught in COVID world and college football's crowned a national champion. And it's not a surprise in this crazy 2020 season.
1: Yeah. And when we talked with Ray Didinger last week, we all assumed that we'd have at least one more season of Doug Peterson, you know, trying to right the ship. But I guess Jeffrey Lurie had other ideas. And the word I heard over and over yesterday and today on Philly Sports Talk Radio, Bill dysfunctional when it turned in terms of the Eagles and boy, I can't disagree. And there's a whole lot to discuss on that situation, which we will get to.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, the Jeffrey Laurie presser was a, was a piece of work, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing I can come up with for now, but uh, yeah, we've got a couple great guests tonight and former Flyers defenseman and broadcaster, Chris Terrian and edge of Philly sports. Al Safari will be joining us a little bit later, but yet most uh, people know, Chris, aka Bundy, from his time with the Flyers, but he's also an Eagle season ticket holder. So I'm real interested to get his take on the Peterson firing
1: and uh, and and follow up on that Jeff lori presser. Well, let's not keep him waiting. Let's bring him on. Here we go, Bundy Chris Terrian. Welcome to the show, man.
2: Great to see you guys. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. Absolutely. All right,
1: Bill. Let me let me just get right to it with the the football thing because, as you said, he is a football fan. We're going to talk lots of hockey, but the Eagles, Chris. What is your take on the firing of Doug Peterson? You approve of that decision or not?
2: I do. Uh, it's, yeah, and it's a mess, guys. Right? Like I mean, I'm like I said, I've been a season ticket holder since I think 2001. So. I go down with my kids every week. I'm very tied, you know, to the – I'm very interested in football. I love the Eagles. I love what happened four years ago, three years ago with the Super Bowl. It was great. I just feel though that, Doug, you know, I, I watched this year, and I know it's been a really odd year, guys, in terms of sports in general with football, the way it's been, college, COVID, basketball, bubbles, everything. I just felt that whatever went on this year, if he was taking orders from Howie and from Lurie up top, uh, then you've already sealed your own fate as a coach. You cannot come into any pro sport and think that you're going to do something that someone else tells you and it's going to work. Uh, it didn't. And, and I, I, you know, people I, – I alluded on Twitter the other day that that last fourth quarter kind of sealed it. I got razzed by a couple fans, but the reason I said that was the players afterwards complained that they said it was an issue, that they tanked the fourth quarter. But you cannot – if you're a coach – and I go to I've got my old, old teammate, old great buddy of mine, Craig Berube – you get fired, uh, hired to get fired, and you have to be accountable to yourself and your teammates or the guys below you, the, the players for you. You cannot be accountable to the management, what they want. You're the coach. You have to pull the strings for the coach, and the manager has to be able to, the GM has to be the guy that's responsible for bringing the, the personnel in. That's on him. There's been a mix-up and 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 a bad job all around by the Eagles, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, and, you know, Chris, a couple weeks ago we had Dave's. Uh, spadaro on with us and i I tried to pin dave down a little bit and and he was great he was very open and frank at the time um but you know i went back to the january 8th and january 9th when january 8th of last year is when doug peterson said he was keeping his assistance and on january 9th he fired him to me that was the unraveling that that was that was the start of what we saw end yesterday with doug peterson
2: It's strange times. And I mean, that, that is a, uh, that's a business that is, uh, is humongous. The NFL is its own entity. Uh, It's a multi multi multi-billion dollar uh, entity in its own right. So, you know, changes happen in football probably a lot more uh, often than they do in other sports simply because the budget is, is appears to be unlimited. You know, there's not many leagues that can go with a 10 or 15% capacity through the year playing in their own buildings uh, with no fans, and and still uh, be be able to maintain fairly, uh, you know, player compensation. So, NFL is a juggernaut, and uh, there's a lot of turnover when you when you start dealing with big money that they've had, and and certainly internal problems. I will say one thing, and I, I don't know what you know what people think of it, but I I really felt, guys, even going back to that Super Bowl, I don't know if some, I may not be too popular for saying this, but I told people they need to get rid of Wentz right after the Super Bowl was won. Uh, that is a heavy, heavy price for a young guy to come back and try to reclaim that spot after a backup essentially just. Carried your team to the Super Bowl. It was a rally around Nick Foles uh, postseason, and the Eagles got it done in in about as grandiose fashion as he can. That's tough for a quarterback coming in, uh, that even though he had a great year and up to that point, there was nothing to suggest that he would be on a downward spiral. uh, But I think a little bit of his mental uh, part of dealing with the post-Super Bowl that he didn't win. And I think that that's a lot of pressure that falls on a young guy like that.
1: Well, we uh, appreciate your football expertise, but we're here to talk hockey with you, yeah. Chris, so let's get to it. It's <laughs> going to be a unique 56-game NHL season. The Flyers playing all of their games against seven Eastern teams, eight games against each. So minimal travel, that's a good thing, but not a lot of days off. This is going to be a very interesting season, something unprecedented.
2: You know, it's really odd. Somebody said uh, to, to me a couple of weeks ago, and, of course, I'm not doing – I won't be covering the Flyers, at right. least on that official basis this year, so – this will be about the gist of it. So I often wondered sometimes if they realize that they may have been paying me to actually not tell the truth sometimes, <laughs> and, uh, and they may find out. But uh, no, I, you know, I really think that when you when you look at um, uh, at the season, you know, I, I someone said that as I said, someone was saying to me a couple weeks ago that hey, this is going to be great. You know, you're playing seven or eight teams, fifty over fifty six games, and I said, you guys got to remember, this is not the 1984 Patrick Division. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not. Uh, it's. It actually probably has more of a tendency to to become enamored with someone else in the other team, or uh, where you become more familiar with them. There was a time in this league, I think, where there would have been uh, complete animosity the entire year. Hockey is always best played chaotic. I always that's the way I've always felt it. Uh, it's a different it's a different sport now in a lot of ways. And uh, so, in terms of that intensity, I'm expecting a lot of intensity. Uh, but in terms of what I think the, the fans loved to see back in the '80s and '90s, you're not going to huh. see. I don't think you're going to see those rivalries develop any more than than what we've seen in the last couple of years i just don't see it happening i don't think there's enough physicality in the sport uh, to welcome any more physicality
0: well chris the, obviously the players have never gone through anything like we're going through now we saw it in football with the massive injuries that took place these guys your your hockey guys 10 days uh show up on the third we're going to play for real on the 13th Uh, I I don't guess they had full access to rinks to get in shape and and skating shape and all that because everybody was on lockdown. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. uh, What do you make of that? And, uh, boy, I sure hate to see a season ruined by injuries. 56 games isn't long
2: well there's going to be injuries there's going to be there's going to, and there's going to be a multitude of injuries so uh it's next man up that's why they expanded the rosters this year which they really have to do i do a podcast actually just for uh uh with jim McCrossin and every wednesday just a medical thing we just go about uh, different scenarios that young athletes have had we've done it for the last 10 weeks and and really one of them and i can i can uh sense it in jim mcross's voice when i'm talking to him is he's concerned i mean he's concerned it's 10 days uh you jump right into it and you know again you look at um uh, Uh, college football or the beginning of the NFL, the amount of injuries that have taken place because of no training camp. Uh, Hockey's a uh, quick twitch type of sport, right? You're moving left, you're right, you're backwards, you're all over the place. Uh, Groin pulls happen, those knee tweaks can happen. So uh, again, and and, and part of the problem is is that it's a 56-game schedule where – You know, you got to be all out all the time. There's just you can't really. It's amazing. I've played those shortened schedules before. It's it's very very difficult to be able to maneuver your way through them. Um, And if you go on a losing streak, lose seven out of eight or eight out of nine, you're done. The season's over. So I mean. Uh, you know, we saw last year how tight it was at the end. It'll be even tighter this year. You're going to see teams now within three or four points heading down the final stretch the last five games of the year. That's great in terms of uh, getting more of that parity inside the league, but uh, it's, going to be, it's going to have to be a very, very focused start by the Flyers, uh, and they're going to have to stay as healthy as they possibly can.
1: Well, they put out their roster today, 13 forwards, eight defensemen, seven taxi squatters or six taxi squatters. Uh, It looks to me like a, a pretty deep team. I mean, Nolan Patrick is back, which is great to see. Oscar Lindblom coming back from cancer, which is terrific. Of course, what a great story. Am I right that this is a deep squad?
2: I do. I mean, I, I think now that any, any team that has, has revamped their fourth line, whether it becomes an energy fourth line, uh, to me, the most important line in all of hockey is the third line, uh, simply because it's left unexposed to the challenges of being checked by the opposition. If you have a great third line, you can have a really good hockey team because it's it's, again, it's not the one that's matched up in the top two against the other team's top two pairs and so on. So, uh, so again, for, for that reason, guys coming back like Nolan Patrick, uh, hopefully guys expanding on the years they had last year with Obey Kubell, um, the young defenseman taking a step forward. You know, there, there are some other things that, you know, we'll, we'll see how they shape up through the year. Matt Niskanen leaves the team, um. You know, again, I like Provorov a lot. I'm not sure that he's a number one defenseman yet. Those are questions that are going to have to be left out in in the open. There's, uh, uh, you know, Niskanen really solidified that pair last year, and then Ivan had an excellent second half. So, again, I want to see how he does on his own now as the front man of a pair. Um, and again, the, the, as I said, development of young defensemen, guys, is just so critical for any hockey team. Uh, and, and again, uh, the, but the Flyers do have uh, have Carter Hart, which is always a good sign. A good thing to have is a, a great backstopper. and Certainly the first couple of years of his career has, has been uh, uh, nothing shy of excellent.
0: Hey, Chris, of the forwards, uh, I, I guess I'm not really surprised, but I'm wondering what kind of impact Morgan Frost is going to have. If, if he's going to get a lot of play in time, I'm looking for a guy in, in, in the in the juniors, I guess he was that guy, that could score a lot of goals, and this team needs a lot of goals.
2: Yeah, I mean, he, he's got a ton of skill. Already. He's a, a late first-round pick, uh, a really good kid, a tremendous junior player. He is a, a guy that just needs to just grow up in the league. There's a spot for a kid like Morgan Frost to play now in the NHL. I'm not so sure that would have been the case 25 years ago, but with the roster's changing. And again, looking for skill more down on your depth lines, you'll see kids with high skill level playing in those spots now. So uh, it looks like he may have been marked as the extra at practice the last couple of days. Makes sense if he if he does not start the season, uh, you know, immediately. But there will be a spot for him somewhere this year. Uh, you know, again, his development will be will be important to see in terms of what this team's able to do with their young guys. It'll be a big evaluation year for a lot of the young guys uh, to have a look to see where they've come off that playoff last year and where they are in the regular season.
1: You mentioned Carter Hart a moment or two ago, and we're all excited to see his continued development. He's still just 22, which is amazing. What do you expect from him now in his third season, and how are he and Brian Elliott going to split the time?
2: Yeah, you know what? I, I mean, I think that Carter is one of these kids that's made some unbelievably great – I mean, he makes some phenomenal stops, and I think unlike, uh, not unlike any other goalie where you have uh, other goalies that are young. You know, they, they have uh, their moments where some softies get by them. If you go back to that seven-game series last year against the Islanders – uh, you know, I was golfing with Craig Berube this summer and uh right after the uh, uh it all had ended and, and I came back and he said, Well, Carter Hart's you know, whereas a few of actually a few of the old flyers were golfing. We we're talking, you know, talking shop and someone said, You know what, Carter Hart. And someone said, Well, you know, he gave up three goals in every single game in that series, a minimum of three goals in the seven games. And and I Chief said, Yeah, it's not good enough. You know, you can't win a series when you allow three goals against in every single game in a series. And uh, you know what? That's so, Again, he's made brilliant stops, and when he's hot, he's hot. He seems to fall into a little bit of a funk when things don't go his way early, but I think Philadelphia, guys, is in shape for a dozen years with some really, really solid goaltender. goaltender. I only think he's going to get better. Uh, he's a great kid. Uh, he takes things in stride. I've seen him down there stretching, getting ready for games, and I was doing it, and uh, he's, he's a kid. I can tell you one thing. You're not going to get cheated by him. The fans won't. He's prepared his efforts there, and he's ready to go every single night.
0: Well, Chris, I want to ask you about Claude Giroux. Uh, the Philly fans, you know, they're measuring him by his Stanley Cups, and uh, I, I, I like the heck out of him. I think he's been a great player. He's up on the top of the, the record list uh, team-wise. Uh, what's your take on Giroux and it, it, now and as across his career?
2: When when Claude, you know, it's funny, uh, it's a great question. You know, when Claude came into the league, you know, and I I don't think I've ever been any more fair with any flair, you know, it comes through Philadelphia. If you're good, I'll let you know. If you're not, well, maybe you're playing the wrong sport. Uh, Claude Giroux, when he came in, he was, uh, as soon as I saw him for 10 games, I said, this guy will eventually, within a few years, be a top five player in the NHL. And he was uh, for for a a number of years. The problem with Philadelphia playing here is if you don't, Take care of your business via playoff wins. You're going to be judged. That's the way it is. Ask Joel Embiid. Uh, oh. You know, I mean, that you know, lost four straight last year. If you don't win playoff series, if you don't elevate your game in the biggest moments of the year. Then you're going to ta- you're going to feel the butt end of the fan base, and that's it. And unfortunately, he's the captain of the team. He had his first playoff win uh, this past summer as a captain of the team. And I think when you look at at a decades uh, of work, he's done a ton of stuff. Uh, individual achievements, he's made a lot of players better. But he's missing after his initial year when he went to the finals against Chicago when he's really, really young. He was probably more of a third-line guy. Since he's taken over, he's not had that playoff success of going deep into the rounds that the, that the fans here expect for a player who's put up those numbers. That's it. This is Philadelphia. You know, if you want to play in Nashville or you want to play in some other little, uh, you know, rinky-dink town, go ahead and play where the fans don't care. This is Philly. You have to win playoff series if you want to be, be put on a mantle with guys like Bob Clark and everyone else that had won prior to them. And now the problem with that is it's almost 55 years now, right, since they've won a Stanley Cup. So that elevates the pressure on everybody.
1: Well, Chris, one thing I love about the Flyers is how all the alumni are, you know, so friendly with one another. And you got to play in the Winter Classic, the outdoor game, the alumni game at the ballpark on New Year's Eve nine years ago. And a few weeks ago, you posted this picture. And it's, of course, you and uh, Bernie Perun, you playing yeah. Dean in front of Bernie I love this. How much fun was playing that game? And is Bernie not the coolest guy in the world?
2: Well, I don't have to tell anybody how cool a guy Bernie is. I mean, Bernie's a bad right. He's just unbelievable. He's a uh, he's a you know he's another guy that just I mean, he's Bernie's God, right? I'm not. There's only a couple guys that are, are portrayed like that, and probably in the history of the franchise, it, it may be Bernie and and, and Clarky, you know, in terms of what they've done. But yeah. um, that was that was one of the greatest days of hockey in my life. I could safely say that I enjoyed that day the celebration of the sport more than I think any other time I, I, I've been a flyer. We've been some big playoff games. It wasn't quite uh, we didn't have to quite uh, have the, the stomach butterflies before that winter classic game. And, and the way it went down, the Ron Dugay shot into the pads of Bernie, yeah. the, the fans, the standing ovation. Uh, it was just a, an amazing, amazing day. I'm not sure you can recreate something like that. Cause I think it only, the only time it could be that special was the first time and it was just a great, great day.
0: mm mm-hmm. Hey Chris, before we get to our closing, because uh, Chet likes to play a game we call Fast Five with uh, anyone's a new guest, but I want to ask you before we get to that, uh, you have some daughters that are some pretty good athletes that are doing some great things. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on over there at the Terrian House. Yeah,
2: yeah, thanks. Well, I mean, my kids are like all of us are are my pride and joy, and. Uh... All four, you know, my uh, I met my uh, my wife here in the area. She's a local girl. My kids were all born in the area. I have three daughters, Isabella, Ava, and Alexa, and Christopher is a 14-year-old boy who is uh, almost as big as I am. Um, so I'm not sure yet if it's football or hockey. We're gonna, we'll figure that out in the next couple of years for him. But my daughters, I have two of them that play at Loyola, Maryland together in the Patriot League, and I have a third daughter who's still a Cherokee here in New Jersey that will be going to Boston University next year, which is – in the same league as as Loyola so Isabella will be graduated uh this year uh hopefully they get a few games and she's a a terrific player it's had some injuries last few years um and Ava uh her her uh, sister on the team they've been doing great I'm looking forward to hopefully high school picking up here and uh in hockey for my boy but that's that's the best I, I love uh I never knew when I got here that that basketball would be such an integral part of our family and it has been and uh you know, I'm, like I say, I'm a, I'm a hockey fan and a girls' basketball fan. I have to say, girls' basketball—it's very, very important that I mention that because uh, that's what I do. Those are my hobbies now. So the nights that I don't have to do the Flyers games on, a, on an official level, uh, I will be able to sit back in my recliner here and, and watch the Loyola girls basketball the Cherokee girls basketball play hockey or uh, fo- uh, basketball this year.
0: Well, awesome. are they tall? Excuse me, are they tall? The girls tall? Uh,
2: you know what? My my third one's six foot two. My uh blah, blah. yeah, six six foot, five eleven and a half and six two nice That's, tall. Yeah, that's nice. Tall. all right
1: hey before we get to fast five i have one other thing i know you're doing uh, something new career wise that you're not ready to disclose just yet but i do know because i've seen you on facebook you're doing these mini reviews of local bars and restaurants looks like you're having a lot of fun with that and you get to eat a lot of wings and pizza which is not a bad thing
2: you know what guys it's not i'm not doing it for any kind of coupons or any free days I'm, I'm not at all these are restaurants that i've been i just was thinking to myself on new year's eve i'm like uh You know, I mean, there's so many places that are struggling right now, restaurants. You know, I I talked to a good friend of mine, the owner of Ponzio's, and I heard his story. I'm like, you know what? It's got to be something. If I have whatever little notoriety I have, I'd like to try to at least make it public, the places that I've enjoyed over the years, places that have been good to me, my teammates, my family, uh, and just kind of lend them some support and video. Hopefully as many people as they can uh, hear the name of the place I'm mentioning. Or certainly get the idea of going out to order takeout and support our, our local businesses because you know it's been a it's been a really brutal ten months since uh, since last March and um, that's not what I'm doing though guys I'm not a food right. critic I, I will be back I'm thinking within two weeks it is the it will be the most important announcement uh, that I'll ever make in my life and, um, that's how big it is and uh, to me it um, um you'll probably want to have me back on after it's done <laughs> I'd love to come back we well, yeah absolutely.
1: All right. Anything else, Bill, before Fast Five? Let's hit the Fast Five. Let's get it going if Chris is up for
2: it. Fast Five.
1: He's got this. I'm confident. All right, Chris. Number one, you scored 33 goals, including playoffs during your career. Which goal was most memorable?
2: You really got me on the spot. Most memorable goal. Well, the first one's always special. Yep. And um, so those are tough to remember, except mine went off a shin pad into the top corner. So I'm going to try to to slide that behind me. I had a playoff (laughs) game winner against Buffalo one year. And I had like 60 people in the locker room waiting with cameras after. I'm like, why are you guys here? I scored. It's no big deal, right? But that that might have been a pretty good one. But uh, like I used to tell my teammates, boys are all big, every single one of them. There you go.
1: Number two, you played with some legendary Flyers in the late 90s and early 2000s. Of course, the Legion of Doom, Rod Brindamore, Eric Desjardins, Hexy. Uh, the big question, though, who was the craziest of all those teammates?
2: Probably me. Um <laughs> No, <laughs> You know, I, I actually – I I hate to go back in time and say who the craziest one. Ronnie Hextall on the ice was a bit of a – like, you know, he had oh, you know, yeah. a very, very short fuse. A, a calm, calm guy off the ice. My first roommate was Dave Brown, uh, oh. you know, who basically was him and Bob Probert, right? And uh, when well, I get in the room my first night with Brownie and I'm looking at him, I'm like, man, you better not do anything wrong in this room. <laughs> That's going to take me apart. But, you know, I mean, I played with some absolutely amazing times. There's a different time, guys. I think any time you can uh, – Uh, live your life without knowing that it may not, it probably won't be on on a cell phone video. Uh, (laughs) I can assure you that the 90s and the early 2000s were a much, much different time than the one these guys are living in now.
1: Good point. Number three, what will you miss most about doing the pre and post game TV work?
2: The people that I work with. I mean, uh, you know, KDM or Al Morganti, my producer, Joe Fordyce, uh, just great people. I mean, they're not the ones that make those decisions over there. They're just they're dynamite people. I love working with every single night, including the Flyers people as well. but that uh, that side of the organization.
1: Number four. I'm sure you're aware that you have played more games as a Flyers defenseman than anybody else. Seven hundred fifty-three trivia. Do you know which Flyers D-men are second and third on the list?
2: I know it's. I know Joe Watson second. I don't know who's third, but I remember when Joe, you know, when I passed him. I thought that was like. I thought, you know, it, was a, it should be a real tribute to Joe. You know, he won two Stanley Cups, and, you know, here I was. I passed him by just a few games. But, you know, Joe's a legend here, and I was just happy to be on the same map with him. I don't know who third was. Eric Desjardins. Be, Desjardins, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Uh, number five, let's see. Uh, I know this is uh, maybe something you've sampled. Have you ever had a big, hazy 13?
2: I, I, no, I definitely have not had one of those. I, I absolutely guarantee I haven't had one.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh bonus question. Um uh, let's see, where is it? Oh, it's over here. A bobblehead of another former teammate of yours, if you can see it. That is Donald Brashear. Is there a Chris Terrian bobblehead out there somewhere?
2: Um I don't think so. I've never I, seen I one. I don't do. remember having a bobblehead night. No, I don't I don't think so.
1: I looked online, I couldn't find one.
0: You, you really shot. should have
2: one. All right, that
0: was awesome. It, it it seems that the guy who's the all time leader in defensive uh, games should have a bobblehead.
1: No, I agree. I agree. We got to get on that.
2: You know, I was one of those guys. I like I said, I played with uh, with with Rika DeJardin, and uh, we were partners for ten years. I was, you know, he was the Batman. I was the Robin. I never looked for, you know, any spot out of the uh, out of the shadows. I was happy with where I was, and uh, I didn't get a bobblehead. I Still got up and went to work next day. It's
0: all good. There, you, there go. you go. All right. Well, hey Chris, we we thank you for coming by, and uh, we certainly appreciate your your work as a flyer, obviously, but also your work into broadcasting. You know, you're certainly going to be missed. And Thanks, I'm excited to hear what you got coming up here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And we will I'm, have I, you
2: back. I'm, I'm excited. I'm nervous at the same time, but I know that um, uh, there is a great road ahead of me and a great road ahead of, uh, of a lot of other people that uh, I know are going to turn take to this. So.
0: Uh, Whenever you're ready, you're welcome to come back. Spoken like a true player. You get knocked down, you get back up, dust off.
2: That's it. That's life. All right. right. Thanks
0: Thanks for joining us. Let's do it again. You got it. All right, Chet, let's talk insurance. If you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. Allstate Insurance
1: and Westchester, PA. Oh, you know it, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Levoy, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs. Someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what is most important to you and your family. Call Dave today at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania. The number is 610-430-0700. Once again, that number, 610 430 Oh seven hundred, and let's uh, throw this guy on here right now. Hey everybody, it's Willie Nile here, and you're listening to Chet and Bill on Silly Press Box Radio. You lucky people!
0: I like Willie. He's got he's <laughs> got good music. He he, he really does. Appreciate hey, your Bob. shout out, Willie. Hey Chet, uh, Sixers are hit with the COVID. Let's let's hit on this real quick. Seth Curry is the the ringleader and tested positive. Uh, took down half the team, and I guess. Uh, due to contact protocol, and I guess the league's kind of set the bar. You got enough players to put a team out there. You're playing. There are there no cancellations.
1: It's unfortunate, though. They were 7-2 and two heading into the weekend, and all of a sudden this happens. They had to play a very good Denver team on Saturday with just seven players able to get on the court. They were able to dress eight, but Mike Scott couldn't play. Uh, and then again, Monday night in Atlanta, and I guess now again in uh, against Miami. So they're in a tough stretch right here. They're 7-4. and four. They may lose another couple, and it's a shame because they were playing well earlier in the year, and now this is going to hurt them, and this is a shortened schedule too. It's only 72 games. I know the NBA did make some changes today with the program protocols uh, as far as, you know, what you can and can't do when you're on the road and all that sort of things. And if one team only has eight or nine players, I think the other team now is going to have to pick out, you know, eight or nine players that they can only play that particular game. So they're trying to make it a little more fair, but at the same time, get all these games in. Well, and they found out the rookie could score too, by the way, Uh as he threw in 39 with a lot of, with a lot of court time. Well, that's the one thing that's good about this. It's more playing time for guys like Isaiah Joe, Dakota Mathias, who can shoot threes. Um, And, yeah, especially Tyrese Maxey, who went off for 39 points the other day in the loss on Saturday. So that's good for these guys. They're getting lots of good experience. But the team really needs to get Curry back in there and these other guys. Of course, Ben Simmons out the last couple of games with knee soreness. So we're not seeing the real Sixers right now. Yeah, well, hopefully back uh, at full speed. Strength here
0: shortly and uh, not let this thing get away from him. But, hey, um, we've mentioned several times, Chet, that over the last few months that we've got a new relationship with the Edge of Philly Sports Network, uh, which has been a lot of fun. And I don't know how long it's actually been now, but it's been a while. But we got the man himself with us tonight in Big Al Safiri.
3: There he is. There he is. gentlemen. Big Al. How you doing, man? Uh, You know, busy as always, but always good busy.
0: Well, hey, Al, tell us before we get talking about some Eagles and some other stuff. A uh, lot going on at Edge of Philly Sports uh, in the new yeah, year. Absolutely. What, what, uh, give Give the viewers a quick rundown of what all's happening over there and what you got going on.
3: Well, kind of like Bundy, I can't leak everything out, but there are some <laughs> things that we can talk about. Of course, eopsports.com is the best way of getting you guys us the entire entire network, which is great to say that you know some people can throw the word network around, but we're able to say, hey, we have five shows, articles, posts, everything you need. We're always up to date on everything Philly sports as best as possible. Yep, there's the picture of all pretty people there. Look at that good-looking crew. (laughs) That is a crew, and that's only that's about half the crew. Like that's the one thing that's nice to say. Like that, there's a lot of people behind the scenes. There's some more. Yeah, that we get yeah. to yeah, we get to work with, but uh, also the big thing has been growing as well as the newsletter for everybody who goes. Oh, maybe I miss uh, Chet and Bill, or I missed something, or hey, I want to hear more about these other guys. Just an email in five seconds will get you signed up for the Friday newsletter. It has all you it'll have this show on there, your interview with Bundy, uh, and everything else that we offer on there. Um, and right now we're in talks with. Once we can, we'll be doing a little traveling. The crew, not just myself and you, but you guys and everybody else, in you know, included, doing some traveling, getting out there once things you know start to lighten up and we can do that, and uh, a couple other things coming down the pike. Hopefully, the uh, the app will be launching by the end of this year. Woo Hey,
0: now yeah. I, I do nice. want to uh, say, Al, for for people who are not familiar with what exactly where to find what everything that's going on, uh, mm-hmm. you guys pretty much post on a regular basis. If news breaks, you're on a post. Is that just going to Facebook or, or oh, no. where, can people, where can people find all that information?
3: So, so Facebook, like you said, is, is good, but you can go to Twitter at EOP sports, or uh, EOP sports. Also EPSN four for four on uh, Instagram as well. And like I said, the easiest way is EOP sports.com for people who are not big on the social media aspect of things. But like you said, yeah, I mean, we got a whole crew, which is nice. That allows people to, to to jump on things like, of course, the big, you know, big thing up there's the Doug Peterson firing. We were as soon as it came out, we were able to jump on it and put it out there for everybody.
1: Well, speaking of that, uh, mm-hmm. two weeks ago, I called for the firing of Peterson and Howie Roseman. Didn't think we were going to get either of them. We uh, yeah. had Ray Dinger on last week; he agreed, but uh, then out of the blue came this report Sunday that maybe Doug was on thin ice, and then we had the big announcement.
3: Whoop! He froze. He froze. <laughs> I I know I know I'm not Bundy, but I thought he would froze more <laughs> with Bundy. But um, I think I know where he was going with this. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody's surprised with uh, I mean, I don't know. if – I won't use the term shocked, Bill, but I'll use the term surprised. There he is, uh, <laughs> about the whole the whole firing situation of um of Doug Peterson. Like you said, I I, I keep going back. I'm like. You could fire Doug Peterson. You could fire entire coaching staff. You could fire Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts, and everybody else down the line. But until you cut the head off the dragon, it is going to continue to be a problem. And I am, I am nervous. I am very nervous. Usually, I'm the one trying to find the optimism on uh, out of anything. But I, I, as long as I mean, after hearing what Jeff Lurie had to say, I don't know how anybody's optimistic about this team because it sounds like he's he's hand in hand with Howie Roseman from for hearing a long time coming.
0: Well, I, I think the thing that bothers me the most about two things about Laurie's conversation. One's he kept talking about a transition. A transition is another word for a rebuild. The way that conversation was going, it's not what Doug Peterson wanted. Doug Peterson wanted to win. Now he's the one yeah. get beat up every week, uh, you know. And and apparently that's not what Jeff Laurie's vision is. And then the second thing is the fact that he sat right there and kind of thinks the sun rises and sets on the job Howie Roseman has done is troubling. I mean it's, it's troubling.
3: Well, he talks uh, both sides of his mouth. At one point he says that they didn't do a good job in drafting and contract personnel and all that. And then the other time he says, Howie did a good job. I'm like, no, he didn't. I mean, I I said, it's very simple. If, If like if you wanted to throw all the mistakes that has hurt this organization onto a pile and you made Doug do it, you made, You made Carson do it, and you made Howie do it. Howie's pile would be twice the size of theirs put together. (laughs) And and the other thing is, both of those other two are fixable. I mean, uh, you can go to you can go to Doug and say, "Listen, we need you. We need to work with you in picking a good personnel. You have to go kind of old school back to the the having an offense coordinator working with them to do the play calling. It can't be all three. You're not. You're not. He wasn't balancing himself. It seemed like he really was always." It's like, I want to be an OC, but I like being the head coach at the same time. Like, he he never could give either one up. And, you know, some of the reports are coming out that he kind of died on the line trying to defend some of the guys that were kind of undefendable on his, you know, on, on, on his squad there of coaches. Um, but the ones that they got ri- – are that are leaving are the ones that are the biggest problem. And that's the ones that Howie brought in. That wasn't even Doug. Like, they're blaming Doug for stuff that Howie had brought in, you know. Scangarella was not a Doug guy. I mean, these were guys that were brought in to kind of like, I think, keep him in line. And I think the major problem has been from the get, and it's this is even before Super Bowl and after Super Bowl, they have never fully trusted Doug Peterson, and it shows, and it continued to show. And I think Doug just finally said, "I'm a Super Bowl Super Bowl winning coach. You got it's it's either my way or the highway." Because I think he knew he could leave and land one of these other jobs.
1: Yeah, he will get another job, I'm sure. Lurie said so many bizarre things yesterday. It was just crazy. I mean, he started out saying that uh, Doug doesn't deserve to be fired, but, of course, he fired him. And then in defending... Uh, defending Howie Roseman, he's going back to, you know, twenty years saying how we're in, you know, five or six NFC championship games. Well, Roseman was not in power when they were in those first five. That was the Andy Reed era when Andy was, you know, in charge of making all the moves. That was before Roseman got any real power. So what has Howie done lately? He's had four bad drafts in a row, is what he's done. So I, I don't know if Howie's got something on Jeff Lurie or what, but you know, I say that, that in the What's I've been that? saying
3: that in a joke for years, like, oh, he's got pictures of him in a compromising situation. But part of me's like, was the joke – was there any truth behind that joke? Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, um, uh, our boy Freddie, you know, he sent us me a message, actually, why you guys were on with Bundy. And it was from uh, – it was a tweet that Rob Motte put out. We had him on the show the, last week. Yeah. Um, and he said he was told by two people with direct knowledge that Doug Peterson stood up for Frank Reich. The management wanted to move on from Frank Reich after the first year, and then of course they come back and win the Super Bowl hmm. with Frank Reich. So like, like that's the other problem. Like, how are we going to get a good head coach, a good OC, a, a good anything when it seems like there's more turn turnover in the Eagles organization than any? I mean, Doug Peterson was the first coach to be fired less than six years after uh, winning a Super Bowl in like since 1972 or something like that. It's like early 70s. Like, it's un- it's unprecedented. But that's Twenty twenty for you now. Twenty twenty one. Well, you know,
0: I think if think if to simply put put this in a simple
3: nutshell. Okay, forget the
0: injuries because injuries happen. For me, the fact that Greg Ward, who has turned out to be a pretty decent player, is your top receiver for two straight years. When he was a college quarterback who was on your taxi squad for three years, he's now your top receiver for two years. Tells me you've done a crappy job.
3: And then on top of it, you start to see okay, we keep bringing some of these practice squad guys up, guys that we never gave a chance. Boston Scott, he was a guy who didn't get a chance until the time until injuries, and then they start to see something out of him. But I mean, they continue to see this, but then they leave guys like Alshon Jeffrey on this on the on this uh, on this roster, taking up a roster spot that could have been, you know, you see a Fulgham now, like a guy who stepped up now and kind of dropped off a little bit. But so that's you know that lies the problem was that doug not you know getting the best getting, squeezing the juice out of what he can get or you know was maybe jeff Fulgham or uh was fulgum kind of like a you know a smoke screen at one point like we, we don't know and that's why the problem keeps in line like a lot of people called for doug's head throughout the season i haven't really been the fire doug or not fire doug like if doug like kind of has moved on i'm okay with it i would i was very surprised and i always said if i had my choice it had to be howie but I always said, if you're going to fire Doug, you might as well fire Howie. Get another guy in here, get his vision in here that fits this organization and let him build from the top down. Because the problem we have always had, we never knew who's making, always making which decision. Was it, you know, because like, I don't know if Doug told them to put in to lose that game or if he tanked that game. I don't know if they said, you got, you know, so he got a call from Howie, you got to put Sudfeld in now. This is getting too close for comfort. I don't know and we'll never know until you know maybe 15 20 years and Doug's out of the out of this you know NFL and he could write his memoirs but you know we won't, we don't know anything and but but what we do know there it, it all keeps leading back it hasn't gotten better this is now a GM who's been through will be now fourth coach fourth That coach, doesn't yeah. happen that doesn't happen and yet for some reason Jeff Lurie continues to keep going to the same well What's the old definition of insanity? (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's happening in Philly. Well, the the funny thing is they won the Super Bowl three years ago, February 4th, and yet right now they are the most messed up franchise in the city. The Phillies are close, but now they at least got Dave Dombrowski in there who – Dombrowski, who I think is going to do a good job. I hope he's got a lot of work to do. And the Sixers and Flyers have certainly made a lot of improvements over the last year or two with their hirings. And uh, believe it or not, Elaine Vigneault is now the longest tenured coach among the big four teams in Philly. Yeah. And he's been there one full season.
3: Yeah, that's crazy. I saw that stat today. and I really blew my mind. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, you know, we always kind of said we've been lucky to have like we've made fun of Dan Snyder and Jerry Jones, you know, and then up until recently, the the ownership of the giants, but like, you know, like, Oh, that's great. Leave them in power because they're going to keep them down. But now it looks like Jeff Lurie, they're calling him Jeff Jones, you know, like because (laughs) he's, he's acting. It seems like he has a little bit more, you know, I don't want to say power, but he he has a little bit more say than, than an owner who has no background should, you know? And, And that's my thing is like a good ownership puts a good GM, a good head coach, and allows those people to put people around them. A good GM doesn't have to do anything, to be honest. I mean, not to say anything, but you just put guys who can can recognize talent, who can help you with the numbers, who can help you do all the things that you need to do, and get a, and 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 take all the credit for it. Yet, you know, Doug, I mean, uh, Howie's got to play puppet master and pull the strings. And I think, and I kind of, I and it was funny because like I said, I've been not super happy with Doug, especially over this year, and the fact that he was letting them pull his the strings. And I said, but it'd probably be good for all of them to go and to start. I mean, at this point, if we're in a restructure, you might as well start fresh. But I said, if you're going to keep Doug, it has to be all Doug. So we can blame all Doug if something doesn't go right. Because no matter what happens over the last couple of years, we still don't know who had 100%. Like, I asked a question the other night to somebody. I said, if you went up to a guy who had to answer you 100% truthfully, and the question was, who who, who made the call to tank, to, to tank that game, We'll never know. Like, and we, but I would love to know because that will show you where it all leads from. But it's easy to see with a devoid uh, team full of zero—not zero talent, but very lack of talent or talent that's aging—that we can't even afford anymore. You have to point at the GM. Who else's fault is that?
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Al, to, to quote Ray Dittinger last week, I think I got this right when uh, I believe Chet asked him uh, how long will Howie Roseman be here, and I believe Ray's answer, Chet, correct me if I'm wrong, was. As long as Jeffrey Lurie's the owner.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's the scary part. Like I said, we used to say, oh, thank God for Eagles organization. Thank, and Howie we trust. I, I, I was one of those yeah. people. I, I hate to say it. I mean, I'm I'm choking on Crow. I'm not even eating it. I'm choking on it now. <laughs> um and and it's scary because, you know, and you know, Middleton is, you know, getting in in the middle of things that he shouldn't have, I feel. And then, like, at least the Sixers, you know, we used to blast their organization. But at least they were smart enough to go, all right, let's clean house as best as possible, mm-hmm. get rid of Brett Brown, because obviously we're not going to win with him. And Elton Brand is just too wet behind the ears to know what to do. So we're going to bring in two guys, Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers, and who have just the pedigree to do so, and they did it. Same thing here. Same with the Flyers. They bring in La Vigno and Chuck Fletcher, guys who have the clout and the ability to do it. The Eagles and the Phillies, the Phillies are starting to figure that out with Dombrowski, but I mean, I kind of feel bad for him. He's coming in that coming into a mess. Oh yeah, like you got you got an ownership who doesn't want to spend money. You got no farm system. What are you going to trade? What are you going to do? I mean that that organization. I feel I really and it's like I usually don't feel bad for an individual player. I worry about my team. But Bryce Harper, I feel like we're going to waste his. I mean, he has he has a, a reason to want to get traded. If he said I want to be traded. I wouldn't blame him right now. And I, it, it, at this point, it'd probably be worth it because we're not going to do anything over the next couple of years. So nope. by the time we get to use Bryce Harper, we're looking at late 30s or well, mid-30s. Getting,
1: getting back to the Eagles mess, I'm going to put up this graphic of uh, some of the coaching candidates. From what yeah. I understand, the uh, 49ers defensive coordinator, Robert Saleh, uh, is now moving up on the list from 25 mm-hmm. to 1. Any of these names jump out at you as great candidates?
3: Uh you know, everybody's high on Eric Bienemy, which you can't not be because that team has been so good. But then again, you've had, you know, uh, like take Adam Gase. Who did he work with? He worked with Peyton Manning. Uh, and, you know, he was the talk of the town, and he turned out to be a complete lunatic. Uh, I've heard the stories about him leaving his wife after she was, just gave birth to their child to go watch film. Um, so I don't know. Is it Eric Enemy Is he the mastermind behind it? Did he learn from Andy Reid? Did did he you know is he just is it the luck of the draw of having one of the you know great quarterbacks of this current era under your you know to work with God only knows you know if if I always said if um, you know if if you put any other quarterback on the Eagles team nobody it's not going to get much better if anything I mean there nobody can survive behind a, a, a fractured O line receivers who can't get open and a defense who can't play. So I mean, nobody jumps out at me. Um, I don't. I don't want a college guy. I don't want Lincoln Riley. Uh I don't want to. You know, I don't want to admire because we've. I'm not saying like I'm not basing it all on the Chip Kelly factor, but I mean, go back outside of Pete Carroll. I really and now you know the guy well, from he, Temple. He
0: failed his first time too.
3: Yeah, but he had to go back all, to college to get it right
0: the second time. Yeah,
3: yeah, and and. I mean, the guy, um, Matt Rule, from, uh, who was at Temple at one point, and then now he's in Carolina. So far, you know, he seems like he's doing a good job. That guy just seems to kind of put a blessing on wherever he goes. Um, but I really don't want to go down the college, Coach. I, we need somebody who has kind of the backing to do so, who, who, who has the experience and who's willing to not be worried about the play calling and allow the OCs and other people to do their job. But yeah. I, 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 I think, would like. To, I would also like to see Deuce maybe get a shot. but I, I feel like he'd be kind of coming into a dumpster fire. Wouldn't be would. a fair shot to him.
0: That's right. I, I think with Bieniemy and and maybe Kafka would be a little bit different. Um, you know, he's the quarterback coach out there. But for Bieniemy, he's got to be in line to take over for Andy. And Andy, you know, how long is he going to go at this thing? Uh, you know, Eric would be the one in line for that job. And and then ten years of. Uh, of Patrick Mahomes' career, uh, yeah. you know why? Why jump into like you say this dumpster fire if you're Eric enemy To me, I, I just don't see that even being a possibility. If I'm him, anyway.
3: Well, I mean, I guess it can, it, it really is like where does Andy Reid see? I mean, because Andy Reid you know, like I can go another five years with Patrick Mahomes. So and the question is, does Eric enemy want to wait five years to to be a head coach somewhere? And That would be the ultimate goal. I mean it's really hard to stay somewhere as an OC when you have a lot of people wanting to be you to be their head coach and not want to move on. Like, like people. Yeah, involved. yeah. And it's you know, and it's, it, that's what you're working for. You know, you're working to make your way to be a head coach. If even if you're the equipment manager on a team, that's the ultimate goal in the long run. So it's like when Joe Douglas went to the jets and some people were like, you know, maybe he won't go. Cause the jets are just a terrible organization. How many people took a Cleveland job because they wanted a chance to be a head coach, you know. So I just said, as long as I don't see Jim Schwartz pop out of the blue now and become <laughs> HC, I don't want his rerun here. Um, but you know, you know, Joe Brady is one I've kind of been. I I, I don't I wouldn't mind seeing. Um, Dabble is another name I I like I like to see. Uh, but the question is, he really hasn't worked with. He really hasn't worked with anybody. That I feel, you know, he's only been there for about a year. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on. You know, if he would be the guy behind the, um, you know, the magic behind it, or if he just kind of stepped into a good spot.
1: Al, this weekend, uh, we got Rams, Packers, Ravens, Bills, Browns, Chiefs, Bucks, Saints. I'm looking forward to these games. Uh, You see any upsets or the home team going to win all of them? I. Bucks Saints is the one I think Tampa you know could win yeah. that one, but we'll see. I,
3: I, I that's the one I'm going with. I'm not really sold on the Saints. They still have a lot of injuries. They kind of, I don't want to say they had a bye, but they didn't have a really tough opponent in front of them coming into it. Right. Um, so I really can't. I I think Bucs Saints is the, is that is the big one if you're going to say the home you know away team's going to win it has a higher chance of winning it.
0: All right. Hey, Al, before we let you go, can you give a quick rundown real fast of where people can find uh, what's going on over at EOP?
3: Of course. Uh, Facebook, Edge of Philly Sports and Edge of Philly Sports Network. Uh, Twitter at EOP Sports. Instagram at EPSN underscore four for four. Uh, EP, uh, EOP Sports or Eduphilly.com, whatever's whatever is easiest for anybody to remember. Uh, you can go there. You can sign up for the newsletter. You can find everybody's podcast, everybody's uh, live shows. You can watch the show. The show is live streaming right now on the site. So if you're not a big social media person, you're like, I want to go there. Uh, we're on YouTube. Um, you know, and like I said, there's there's some things coming down because we're all going to be meeting real soon that we need to get involved with. Just trying to wait to get through this covid cloud, as I yeah. call it. You know, get through it once everybody starts getting their vaccines and, you know, that that curve starts turning down. And I'm not just talking in the area. We're going to get some traveling under our feet. Awesome. All
0: right. Thanks
3: thanks for coming by. Gentlemen, thank you. As always, great show. And I'll see you guys next time. And and next time, tell Bundy I'll open up for him. (laughs) Okay, you got it. All right, guys. All so,
0: right. Hey, Chet, I want to hit on this real quick. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but the national championship game between Ohio State and Alabama, they they didn't disappoint. 52-24, Alabama winning the title. Uh what an offensive game that was by the Crimson Tide and the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith.
1: Oh, man, you got that right. It was fun to watch. Uh, it's a shame Smith didn't get to play the second half because of the injury because uh, he was impressive. Um, what do you have, 12 catches on 13 targets in the first half, three touchdowns. He, he could have gone for you know 400 yards and maybe five or six touchdowns. But, uh, yeah, as you said, he may well be gone by pick number six when the Eagles come up in the draft.
0: Yeah, I don't see this. the The Eagles getting a shot at him. Uh, now, what? Unbelievable! I mean, it's the greatest half of college football for a wide receiver I've ever seen. And uh, I think many uh, across the NFL players were saying the same thing. I mean, he was on. He was on. They wouldn't stop him in the second half either. I mean, it was just unbelievable what the kid was doing.
1: And Mac Jones looked pretty good too, uh, as uh, the Bama quarterback. Uh, and regardless of what you think of him, you got to give Nick Saban his. Just do uh, six championships now with Bama, seven overall. The guy's a winner. Yeah, well, and you know, the one thing about Nick, he
0: said this a long time ago, uh, several years ago. He said, I may not be the best coach there is, but I'm the best recruiter there is. And he ain't lying because he's got a stable yeah. full of players and guys leave and more guys come in. I mean, he's just loaded. And, then and yeah, great as,
1: as we said, our Rachel Bachman told our show last week, Winning begets winning, and that helps recruiting, and that's why Bama's always in the top four every year, it seems, anymore, with Nick Saban there. Yeah, well, Devontae
0: Smith will be somebody certainly to watch on draft day uh, if if the Eagles are lucky enough for him to be there at six. My goodness, I hope they take him.
1: Bill, you know what that means? It's time for another edition of Random Chet. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, I'm ready. Random Chet. Uh, yeah. And uh, although, you know, some folks think I should have gone with Chet Happens or Piece of Chet, we decided on random Chet, which is just fine. That's a whole other issue. Anyway, but last Thursday, I don't know if you know this, it was National Bobblehead Day. And somebody asked me if I had any personal favorite bobbleheads in my vast collection. So after giving it a lot of thought, and by a lot of thought, I mean 15 or 20 seconds, I chose six or seven to show off. One of them, because uh, I went to Penn State is the Penn State Nittany Lion coming out of Beaver Stadium. You are holding your hands, Bill, Harry and Whitey, on my list as well. How about this one, Bill? Let's see. Uh, It's an old Kyle Korver bobblehead. And this is different because it's Kyle Korver with some kind of real hair. And this guy who's like 40-something now is still playing in the NBA. At least he was as of last year. I assume he's still somewhere. Kyle Corver. How about another hairy guy, Bill? You know, I listen to 93.3 WMMR. How about a Pierre Robert bobblehead? Peace and love, baby. Also, we have, I love this one because it's a Philly. He's one of my favorite Phillies, Jimmy Rollins, and he's got those Cool shades, the killer sunglasses that he always wore on the field. So you got to like that one. And, of course, the great Mike Schmidt. Why the great Mike Schmidt? Because he's Mike Schmidt, the greatest third baseman in the history of baseball. And that one actually looks kind of like him, too. So that's pretty good. Uh, A real personal favorite, the one you just showed off, is also, as I said, on my list, Harry and Whitey, the two greatest Phillies announcers as far as a tandem ever. Got to love those guys. And, Bill, this one simply because – This is a true old school bobble from the 1960s. I was given this one as a very young kid, and it's been with me pretty much my entire life. As I said, it's old school Eagles uh, with the Kelly Green, and it's not in the best of shape. The head pops off, which is just a shame. But uh, I don't know where I got this, but I've had it since I was literally five or six years old, and it's still with me all these years later. So there you go. Very valuable, that last one. It may uh, well be. Now, as a follow-up, let me just say this. The person who asked me about my favorite bobbleheads happens to have a birthday today, and that is this lady right here, Dancing Jane. So, happy birthday, Jane. Jane has become a real devoted listener, which reminds me that uh, – uh thank you, Jane. It reminds me also that I forgot to acknowledge another recent – birthday and I always feel badly for people who have a birthday right around Christmas because they kind of get cheated. And that's the case with this lady, our pal Robbie. She is a Christmas Eve baby and a longtime listener. And I meant to say happy birthday to her on our December 23rd show. And uh because of all the holiday excitement I forgot. So three weeks late, happy birthday to Robbie as well.
0: And to Jane. Hey and just to let everyone know Jet that we don't actually rehearse this stuff. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know about your bobbleheads, and and I only have my one uh, because I just couldn't find the box. I've been packing. I packed them all today, and this is the only one that's sitting out because uh, I couldn't find the box. But one that's missing from your list that I really like,
1: uh, Chet, maybe my second favorite, the Brad Lidge. I looked at that one, and uh, I thought about bringing that one in, but I limited it to, you know, seven or whatever. But, yeah, I, I have so many. I really have over 50 bobbleheads, so I picked out a few of my favorites. But, yeah, the Brad Lidge. I got a Ryan Howard. I got lefty Steve Carlton. I got Larry Boa in the powder blue. So, love those bobbleheads. I'll tell you
0: at a later date about that Larry Boa. Make a note of that. I'll tell you about Larry Boa
1: bobblehead night. Make a note. Okay. Hey, one thing we didn't have time to mention so far, but we should mention the fact that we lost this guy, Tommy Lasorda, last week, the legendary Dodgers skipper who left us at the age of 93. Um, he was, you know, a great guy, uh, occasionally uh, an irascible guy, but uh, certainly a great one for the game of baseball.
0: Absolutely. All right. Hey, Chet, great guest tonight with Chris Terry and Al Safari.
1: They were awesome. Uh, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? I realized this afternoon that I forgot to book someone for next week, but I reached out to someone because I knew that we had to talk more about the whole Eagles mess, and maybe we'll have a new head coach by next week. So who better to discuss that whole situation and those dysfunctional Eagles than the guy who runs Bleeding Green Nation, our buddy Brandon Lee Gowton, will be joining us next Wednesday. We go back to our regular Wednesday night next week, the 20th.
0: Yeah, I I got a feeling Brandon's going to be a little fired up. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) He'll know know the inside scoop, too. We're we're hearing bits and pieces like we were talking about with this coaching staff and all that. But uh, Brandon will know the scoop, and uh, I got a feeling he will have a strong opinion about it one way or the other. I'm not sure which
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, I don't have a parting shot tonight, but I I did jot a couple of things down also that that we didn't get to mention. Also, Uh, the Flyers will, in fact, have ads on their helmets, as we discussed the possibility last week. And no, it's not Wawa, as uh, Sam Carcidi, I guess, pointed out in the paper today. It's not Tasty Cake. It's Tata Consulting Services, TCS. I don't know who they are, but when you watch the Flyers tomorrow night, you're going to see a TCS on each side of the helmet hey, it's 2021, and they're trying to make up a little revenue from what they lost last year. So there you go. And uh, I'm I'm guessing it's better to see TCS
0: than see Tata's on their (laughs) helmet. I don't know.
1: (laughs) A couple other things. Television, you know, I'm a big television guy. And three legendary shows premiered on this date over the years. 1966, da 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 Batman premiered 55 years ago, Bill. 50 years ago tonight, Archie Bunker and All in the Family landed on CBS. Still funny, they probably could not put that show on today, given the way things are with oh, the political correctness. No, no. no. And then 40 years ago tonight, I'm sure you were a regular watcher of Dynasty. I, I did actually watch that. <laughs> I movie. watched it occasionally because, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, Linda Evans was kind of nice looking and uh, Joan Collins. So, uh, yeah, 40 years ago. Some great TV shows. And there you go. There you go. Good TV show. Tomorrow, 530, Chet. Flyers, oh, yeah. Penguins
0: going to drop the puck for game one of 56. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a fun season. Um, I say, And I got to say, Chet, man, I enjoyed having Bundy
1: on. He was, he was really good. He was awesome, and heck, he volunteered to come back in a few weeks, so uh, I'm going to take him up on that. Absolutely make a note. All right, anything else before we wrap it up? Nope, I'm going to preserve my Eagles bobblehead that's 50-some years old, 60 years old, and uh, I'm going to go home and eat, and that's it. I got nothing else. Let's wrap it up, Bill. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Chris
0: Terriott and Al Zafari. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Razroom Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Jim Chesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show and we will join Philly Pressbox Radio back to Wednesday, January 20th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook or listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blocktalkradio.com slash Radio, or on Google Podcasts as well as Apple Podcasts and others. So with that, High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and let's go Flyers.
1: Happy trails (singing) to you (speaking) (speaking) you (speaking) you (speaking) till (speaking) we meet (speaking) the